Well, hello and welcome back to the Advocate for Kids podcast. My name is Kevin Enders. I'm blessed to serve as the president and CEO of Four Kids, and we're super excited to be kicking off and running this season three of our Advocate for Kids podcast, talking about different ways we can connect with our children over the summer. And we're going to have many amazing guests from our Epic Therapeutic team join us and uh, to equip you guys with just some amazing content over this summer series. So, um, our first guest is our vice president of our clinical services, Terry Galindo. Uh, she's amazing. Can't wait to get into the content. But first, welcome, Terry. Glad well, you're here. Thank you, Kevin. I'm very excited to be here. I think it's a, a really important topic and um, something that I think is going to resonate with a lot of our parents. It is. It is. We we hear stories all the time. In fact, I uh, met with a, a pastor who's a foster and adoptive parent today, and, and um, just how we've been able to impact him and his family has just been tremendous. So we're going to, in this episode, we're going to be talking about sensory seeking activities. And so, uh, Terry, tell us a little bit about what sensory seeking activities mean. So we know that that children go through different developmental stages, and um, it starts in utero. And um, depending on the child's history, depending on um, things that have happened while they were in the womb, and then early in the in in their development, there's so many things that um, that can happen to improve neurological development, and um, and sometimes disconnect um, neurological development. And um, we don't necessarily know that until we start to observe that in their behaviors. So sensory seeking behaviors can happen for many, many reasons. Um, Maybe a parent is very ill when they're pregnant. Maybe it's a new mom who is incredibly anxious, has never been pregnant before, and doesn't know what to experience. Unfortunately, we have moms who take drugs and alcohol and and um, smoke during their pregnancy, and that affects the neurological development of a child. Uh, afterwards, uh, again, new moms sometimes can be very anxious. They don't know what to do. They haven't had a lot of babies around them in their lives, or their moms, unfortunately, weren't the greatest of moms. But all of that, the opposite, can be completely true. It could be the calmest, most wonderful pregnancy. It can be a mom who's very confident and very loving and very caring. And so that child will develop very differently. So when a child um, develops with sensory seeking behaviors, this is a child um, that we observe who is hitting into walls and running and um, doesn't ever sit down in a couch, but throws himself into a couch. Mm. Um, A child who may hang upside down on a couch as opposed to sitting. Um, A child who loves to bounce, loves to run, loves to climb, um, who, who just is so attractive to the worst smells. Um, loves being stimulated by by sound. So we know that, you know, we all learned in school that we have five senses, right? right. So we have um, our, our sight, our seeing, our hearing, our smell, our taste, and our touch. But they're saying now in research that we have up to maybe nine senses. So 
Um, there are other senses of where we are in the world. And, you know, we have those kids who spin and spin and spin and are comforted by that. So it's all about all of this behavior is has a need behind it. And we as parents, we kind of have to be detectives yeah. to determine what is it that our child needs? What is it that our child has to, um, is seeking, you know, right. is it, or avoiding, you know, because the opposite of sensory seeking behavior is sensory avoidant. And so, um, we have kids who love color, love it. They, they see mm. color, they dream in color, they love bright colors. And when they color with crayons, it's, it's the whole rainbow of, co of colors. Okay. We have other kids who love really strong tasting food. You know, I'm sure the inventor of hot and sour soup was, <laughs> was sensory seeking. Yeah. Um, we have, we have kids again who are constantly on the go and moving and, and, and jumping, mm. but we also have kids who don't like to be touched who don't like bright lights, who are overstimulated by lots of noise and sound and avoid that. Um, we have the screamers and we have the hiders. Right, you know? right. So, so there's all kinds of things going on in the development of a child like and, um, and why they may become who they are. But God, he's, he develops and he designs and he makes us into who we are and we're all different and how wonderful that is. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I'm thinking as I'm a parent, I'm listening to this episode because you just, I have five children and they're all different, right? Mm -hmm. But exactly. some might be high sensory seeking, some might be low. And I'm curious, you know, some practical things that you might share with parents that are saying, Hey, that's my child. I, I understand that. Or when you went and you flipped to the other side, Oh, my other one's just like that. Right. Um, I know we only have so much time, but could you share just some some thoughts on each of those two different ends of the spectrum? Yeah. So so again, we need to be aware. We need to be detectives. Okay. So if we have a child who constantly wants to snuggle, who is it, when when the child is overstimulated, um, is really soothed by a weighted blanket or a weighted vest. Um, a child who is constantly touching and stroking things. We need to be aware of, of this is a child who may be sensory seeking. Okay. We also need to understand that this is a child who may take a lot of risks. Mm. And so, um, you know, when they're small, there's risks. And when they're big, there's bigger risks. And, and so we want to be aware of that. You know, these are the kids who dive off of mountains. These are the kids cliff diving, you know, these <laughs> are the kids jumping. who yeah. want to be on the highest slalom of the ski slope. These are the kids who mountain climb and really test their bodies and, and, um, take a lot of risks. Mm. These are the kids that often get into trouble for touching other kids. And sometimes again, it's by accident. It's just that they're not aware of where their body begins and ends in the world. Hmm. And so, um, because of that lack of awareness, they're kind of like a bull in a China shop for a better, a lack of a better term. And, and so we need to be aware of that, but there are many things that we can do for that. And, and, and honestly, to be quite honest with you, sometimes these behaviors, yes, they make up our personalities and who we are, but it really doesn't interfere with our activities of daily living. It doesn't interfere with 
with with their being successes in the world. It just makes them a little different. Yeah. Now, when it does interfere, you know, when they are really risk taking, when they are are really testing themselves and you, when they are um, are are getting into trouble because they're hitting or punching or breaking things. Then um, there are different treatments. You know, we have occupational therapy. Occupational therapists do a phenomenal job with someone who has an issue, either with sensory seeking or sensory avoidant, and it's really interfering with them. The sensory avoidant, they may not want to leave the house, you know. Um, but unfortunately, we have a world right now that has an expectation of children that is extremely high. So we have schools who expect children to come in and be overly obedient, sit still in a classroom all day and concentrate and focus. Right. Okay. Well, that's not us as human beings. You know, we need breaks. We need challenges. We need to get up and sit down and, and move around. So a child may come home from school, and I'll give you a couple of examples. A child might come home from school and get off the school bus, walk in the front door, walk through the house and out into the backyard and swing and swing and swing and swing for a half an hour. Mm. And only then will that child be able to come inside and do homework. Okay. We as parents sometimes have an expectation. Oh, they've been in school all day. They've been on the bus. They've had their break. You know, maybe let's we'll give work. them let's we'll give them a cup of water and you know, let's get our homework done because we want your homework done before dinner. Well, this child is really going to struggle with that. And we need to recognize that. So maybe instead we say to the child, hey, you know, you want to take a walk? You want to go for a run? You want to go out in the swing? Um, maybe on the way home from school, we'll stop at the park. Again, just to divert some of that energy, get out some of that, and fulfill some of the need of the child so that then the child can sit and concentrate. So again, you're talking about this, you know, whether it's high sensory seeking or low sensory seeking and working with our team, parents can come to understand it when they see behaviors. Right. So you're teaching parents on how to acknowledge, okay, maybe son, my son's this way, my daughter's that way, mm -hmm. or my other son is that way. And then these different activities that are really helpful in everyday life to recognize and to be able to work with that child so that they can, you know, be able to thrive, whether, whether it's coming home from school or going to do an activity. So noticing those two different activities. It's all about the connection. Mm. All, it's always about the connection. And part of the connection is really understanding where that child is at and what that child's needs are. Okay. So it could be as simple as connecting over cooking. Mm. You know, if a child really loves spices and loves herbs and loves, you know, to really have their tastes stimulated, right. maybe we teach them how to cook that way. Mm. And maybe that's something they use in their careers. Right. You know, um, for a child who physically is seeking, you know, we may have them roll the wheelbarrow around the backyard and help us to plant things or carry heavy boxes or take out the garbage and, you know, and have them stimulated by lifting heavy objects. Um, those are the kids who love to roll around in the dirt, maybe even eat it. 
They love <laughs> to jump in every puddle they possibly can. Um, and it doesn't matter where you live. There's puddles in Florida. Yes. Um, it doesn't matter if it's at a park or in your backyard, but, you know, let them do that. Let them get and jump into the sandbox. So they have to take a bath. So you have to wash their clothes. It calms them and soothes them and, and helps them to be, uh, to feel better about themselves. Those are the kids that are like the best construction workers in the world mm. because they love the chaos, the noise, the dirt, right. the dust, the, and the heavy lifting and the working with their hands. Okay. A sensory avoidant person is an office worker, is an accountant, is, is maybe even someone who, who works from home because okay. they don't want to be around other people. Got it. Got it. So as we're heading into the summer, again, this is the timing of why we're doing this, right? Kids are going to be coming home from school. A lot of our kids this week had their last day of school. So now they're at home. Um, I know you talked about just, you just quick, quickly mentioned some maybe practical things, but is there maybe one or two examples uh, for those parents, again, that are listening that say my child's high sensory or low sensory, just some activities that you can incorporate into their summer routine that can help the parents have a great summer with their children? So children who are sensory seeking, um, they love to jump. So let them jump on a trampoline. Take them um, to do gymnastics. Uh, there are many centers around town where maybe they can do some activities like that. Uh, take them to the park. Let them hang off of the jungle gym. You know, <laughs> let them climb and jump and and push and pull and all of those things that that help to stimulate their senses. Um, a weighted blanket can be really wonderful in in de-escalating some of that anxiety and some of that nervous energy. Um, they can push, do exercises that like help them to push against a wall. So maybe their feet against the wall, maybe doing pull-ups and push-ups against the, I guess, push-ups against the wall. Um, those kinds of things, tumbling, gymnastics, swimming is really good for a sensory seeker. Um, having fidget toys, if they have to be at a movie or a, or someplace where they need to sit still a little more. Uh, massage. Massage is really, really very good, especially for a sensory seeker, it would be like a deep massage. For a sensory avoidant, it would be a light touch, yeah. if any touch. Right. Um, they, it, you might want to turn off the lights because, you know, it is bright and sunny in the summer and a child may be overstimulated by the lights. Mm -hmm. We might um, we might have them swing again, as I used in that example, swing back and forth and back, and that 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 type of motion imitates really what a mom did when the baby would or should have done when a baby was an infant. Mm -hmm. You know, when a baby cries, the mom picks up the baby, and what does the baby? What does the mom do? This rocks. the baby rocks the baby. Uh, the, the mom rocks, the baby reg is regulated through the mom by hearing the mom's heartbeat, by rocking with the baby, by soft touch. If the baby cries louder, the mom will hold the baby even tighter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And these are the kids. These are the kids that you may try to give a hug to or touch and they'll wipe it off. 
That never happens in my home. No, I'm sure. <laughs> Especially with adolescents. Yeah. They, so they, you know, they'll brush it off, yep. you know, but if yep. they hug you, mm. you feel like the life is being squeezed out of you because of that need to squeeze, that need to touch. Yeah. So, um, so chewing gum, believe it or not, can, can really soothe the sensory seeker. Hmm. Um, beef jerky. A good healthy beef jerky yeah. is really good for Something a sensory to gnaw on for a while. A lot of the examples you give me, I, I can relate with with the high sensory. Talk a little bit more about some of the low sensory um, activities and regulating activities for a low sensory seeker. Well, you know, if you if you had a really stimulating day, you know, we take our kids to the beach, we may take them to the park. We, you know, for a for a sensory avoidant person, maybe they need to come home and be alone in their room. Okay. Maybe we need to lower the lights. Maybe they need to take a nap, you know, but, or, or just, you know, be on a, a not so stimulating video game or, or write in their journal, um, read a book. These are all things that are really helpful for that person who doesn't like to be overstimulated and might get overstimulated because summer activities can be overstimulating. And so to calm them down, that's what, what you might do. And a weighted blanket could possibly, possibly help even that person who's avoidant Got it. because it helps to soothe them. You just said something I want to dig into, and, and I, I think it could be important with a lot of the parents out there, because I know it's something that we're constantly trying to learn about is, is video game playing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you have a high sensory seeker, loves playing video games, and how do you transition them from something that's so stimulating to being more regulated to be able to like, come to the dinner, or let's have lunch, or let's do something else. Can you maybe share a tip on that specifically? We could probably do a whole video on transitions Yeah. Um, and transitioning children because, because children struggle with that. Our, our kids especially struggle with that. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of it is about the contract. It's about the agreement. Is that mm. yes, yes, of course, you can play your video game. You know, and I'm talking about a video game that's not super violent, super, you know, bloody, super overstimulating. But yes, we want you to play a video game. It's good. It's, it's a good thing for a child to play a video game. However, let's play it for 15 minutes and then you can help me cook dinner or let's play it for 20 minutes. And then, and then five minutes before, okay, you have five minutes, just a reminder. Okay. We have one minute, just a reminder. And you let them say, okay, in the contract, if you don't come in 20 minutes or whatever you contracted, what are the consequences for that? Mm, okay. Yeah, that's good. I'm sure that that's going to be very helpful for a lot of parents as they <laughs> Right, because, you know, we could use the TV or video games that. as a babysitter right. sometimes. Right. Or children, of course, if they're in the middle of a game, it's, oh, mom, five more minutes. Mm. You know, we've all been parents. We know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go back to the word we used in the beginning about connecting, mm -hmm. right? Connection before correction. If I've learned one thing about our <laughs> Epic team and uh, what they help us to understand as parents is, mm -hmm. is that connection is so vital before there's correction. We talk about connecting with our kids over summer. So you talked about high sensory, low sensory, different activities, different, maybe regulating activities. Uh, I have two questions. One, there's a lot of inf there's a lot of information. So for a lot of people, it might feel a little overwhelming, and that's not our intent. Our intent is to try to equip you as parents with some just great tips. And you could see me listening uh, intently to Terry because I have five children of my own. So 
it's really helpful for me to continue to learn as a parent. Um, so what, what would we recommend as we're about to close to our parents that, um, they can get connected to learn more, number one. And number two, if we could talk a little bit more about the connection issue, like we talked about this and just how important that is over the summer to, to build these connections with our children. So connection is the absolute first building block of a relationship with a child. So it's extremely important that we put a lot of focus on that. And um, connection does not mean that we never correct. Connection does not mean that we avoid everything else, but it's, it's really about the connection first. So how do we connect with our kids? We know our kids. We learn about our kids. We get to know everything about them that we possibly can. And we recognize what their triggers are, what their needs are, and how they behave in certain circumstances. And then we have that conversation with them. If the child is old enough to have that conversation, if not, then we make decisions for them, to be honest with you, when they're younger. And we may sit and massage them. And we may sit and rub their feet. We may sit, just sit and be with them. Again, one of the first things that happens with an infant and a mom is the mom looks into the child's eyes. And the stimulation of that look and that child helps the child to feel safe. Yeah. When they don't get that, and many of our kids who come into care have not gotten that connection, then we have to repeat that. Mm. So we'll ask parents to rock and soothe a three-year-old, a five-year-old, a six-year-old, you know, because they missed that. You know, so we can go back and we can help. And the, the most incredible thing, you know, God has designed us as resilient human beings. So he, he makes it such that we can make out for areas that are lost. Right. So as much as possible, spend time. Time is important. But also spend that time understanding and listening, helping a child to feel understood, helping a child to feel safe. And once that child feels safe and understood, then a lot of these behaviors disappear. Yeah. And seen, right? Like you say, like they and need to seen. know that they're seen. God sees us. He knows us. Mm -hmm. He knows our needs mm -hmm. even before we ask, the Bible says. And I just am intrigued by well, also what I've learned just about the brain. And like you said, like maybe they didn't have that or certain kids didn't have that. The brain has an elasticity, it can, it can heal itself through these connections, right? I mean, that, again, that could be a whole nother episode as well on a podcast, but it's tremendous what, um, what our team is doing and what can happen when you take time to connect. First of all, I love the idea, just understanding your children. And I have five, they're all different. Um, and as Terry's speaking, I'm thinking of <laughs> each one of them and how different they are. And, and just, again, some great practical tips. How can parents connect with four kids to learn more about this topic? We have many trainings as well as therapy itself. Um, they can go to our website called epichealing.org. They can find all of our trainings, all of our videos, all of our blogs. And if they feel like they want to reach out to the Epic team and get some information and get even therapy for their child, then there is an application there to get therapy. Right. And you can also find that. So if you didn't hear epichealing.org is our website specifically for our therapeutic team, but also at fourkids.us, the number four kids.us, you'll see a, a several drop down menus. You can find Epic and you can get connected to all that content through that right. as well. So right. again, thank you, Terry. This You're is welcome. an awesome conversation. Again, I know there's, there's a lot packed in here. We can, we can unravel a lot of it. 
Um, but we hope it was helpful for you out there that are um, maybe being a little anxious. Summer's coming. Kids are out of school. Um, we want to just provide practical ways that that will help you to um, navigate that time and and create a an opportunity for your kids and your family to have a thriving, joy filled summer. So yes. um, again, this season on connecting with your kids will continue um, with another four kids therapist. We can't wait to share that next conversation with you. Thank you again for joining. And we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.